you just think we just, you know, whatever happens, we just shit another player. I, and everything's going to be perfect. All of our fans think that. You all think that. That's what you write about. You don't want to be here. There's a specific reason. Not really, you know, I think we did a poor job recruiting. If guys are coming in and immediately walking out the door because it was something different than what they thought it would be. And we lied to them during recruiting or we, we sold them on a dream that wasn't true. Yeah, you know, right now uh, we have the atmosphere of a, of a JC softball game. You know, I mean, that's what we are, a JC softball team. As long as, you know... Uh, it's 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 not whether you win or lose. It's like who, the, the the team that wins is the one that has the most fun. You know that crap like that. You know all this stuff that's contaminated America, where they give every kid a trophy and they don't keep scoring little league anymore. As we want to be a big, fast, dominating, aggressive, relentless football team that nobody in the SEC wants to play. Now that's also a second in the West, baby. Yes, sir. <laughs> Winning the SEC probably is harder than winning the national championship. Do you know that? Well, how about the fucking dogs? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome in to the latest episode of That SEC Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter, and I'm joined this episode by my cousin, Island Joe. What's up, you big Tennessee homer? Hello. What's up, buddy? How's life on the island? Oh, man, we can't get off. It's crazy. I'm ready to get (laughs) out of here. I think they finally just opened up inter-island travel, but it's like, I don't know, there's 15 new steps to get through TSA, and I just don't feel like dealing with it. (laughs) I'd rather swim. Well, I kind of had that experience myself. You know, I wasn't blocked or anything, but uh, just did some recent traveling there up to Portland. That's why we only had one show last week and you know, some much needed time off. And hell, I, I should be surprised. We took a week off and Cousin Shane still needs more time <laughs> he gets all this show. Just never enough. <laughs> but how was your physical and mental break from reality? Just, we didn't get to go. We kept seeing all the photos. And, of course, we've been hyping it up for, what, six months that we're going to go? Mm-hmm. You're the only one that made it? <laughs> well, it's certainly an interesting time to travel, as you would imagine. I mean, hell, uh, you know, you think a city like Portland, you know, maybe it'd be open a little bit later than 8 o'clock, but everything closed everything closed at eight o'clock everything was takeout so uh, most of the time we actually spent outside the city just going on hikes of uh, you know beautiful country up there and you know it, it was nice I didn't look at a computer screen or barely looked at my phone for an entire week and now I'm ready for the damn madness that's coming with the SEC football season oh, I know me too I'm super excited well, let's get right into it because, uh, you know, not a ton to recap. It looks like I've done a perfect time to get away from all this. But while I was away, in case anybody missed it, the SEC has announced that the SEC Media Days is going virtual. It's kind of the news we had been kind of fearing. They're not going to meet. You know, usually it's in Hoover, Alabama. This year it's scheduled to be in Atlanta. So they're just going to do away with all that. So they are going to have coach interviews, player interviews, and all that, but it's going to be online, on the computer, like the last three months have been. So I don't know. That's uh, It's not terribly a bad sign or anything because uh, I'll tell you why. SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey has been very vocal on the fact that they were not going to hold this event if there was a chance 
that they were going to have to delay the start of the season. So he, they don't want to have this anticipation of the season with media days and then hit the pause button. So while it is going virtual, I think this is a really good sign that the SEC is going to play on time. Uh, what are your thoughts on SEC media days going virtual? Uh, it's sad, you know, because we were planning on going down to that and having a little fun. But, I mean, that's the only option you got. And what else are you going to do? Right. And on the plus side, next year's 2021, it's scheduled for Nashville. So, hell, I won't even have to travel to go to that one. So, right. <laughs> go to the end of your driveway and be like, what's that? Barbecue <laughs> at your house for that SEC podcast. <laughs> All right, so the the other big thing that happened while I was away, I assume most people saw this, but uh, Florida, the state of Florida, has passed the uh, NLI law, which is the um, you know endorsement deal to where these players can sign with the schools. Not the schools won't be paying them, but outside sources can. You can pay someone for an autograph. You can pay someone to come to your business. You can pay someone to do a commercial. And this will not go into effect until July 2021. So we're still a year away from this becoming law. But this is important because Florida was the first state to do this. And that means you better believe there's going to be a damn rush for the rest of the SEC states to get this in. Because if they don't have it, this is going to be a massive advantage for Florida. And, you know, there could be fans out there saying, well, hell, this is a year away. Why do we care? Well, guess what recruiting class we're already in? We're in the 2021 class. So you better believe Dan Mullen and his entire staff, I've already seen it on Twitter, they're they're using this to their advantage. Come to Gainesville, it's illegal for you to get paid outside of uh, you know your stipend and all that. So, I mean, this is potentially big news if no one else passes the, these laws. Well, out of all the SEC teams – well, Dan needs the most help in recruiting, so <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe the links that they go to to help him out down there. That's half joking, but half not. I mean, does he even have a running back in this year's recruiting class? But yeah, I mean, <laughs> all right, I won't, I won't bag on Florida too hard, but yeah, no, I mean, I think it is super exciting for athletes to finally get paid, and I can't believe it's taken this long, but. Yeah, I just didn't want them to be first. Come on, Tennessee, let's pick it up. Yeah, you know uh, old Kirby Smart, he's on the line with his, uh, whoever the hell it is, congressman, senator, get this damn law passed. We cannot lose our edge in recruiting. So that's something to be, you know, obviously we're more excited about the football season and all that, but in the months and weeks to come, um, I expect these laws to, you know, pass around the SEC but just because you just can't afford, this is, Potentially a massive, massive advantage yeah. for the Gators and the state of Florida, Florida State, Miami, all those teams, if that, if that's the only state that passes this. The recruits could buy their own helicopters then. They don't even need Kirby anymore. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so that's all the, uh, you know, the big news from the entire league there. Are you ready to go around the league, Cousin Joe? <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> now let's go now around let's the go league. Around the league. My, my daughters said something about me wearing a visor and need to put on a hat because I'm getting bald. So, uh, so I'm going to wear a hat from here on out. I mean, if you look over the next six years, I think we played Miami three times, Florida State six times, South Florida three times, Mississippi State once. 
So who's the SEC teams? You know, I mean, I don't think I think it's an injustice for the kids. They should, we should mix those games up, and you should, um, you know, play more teams from the West. Why don't you start calling around and see if you can get somebody else to play us, and we'll play them. We'll play anybody you can get to play us. In Louisiana, hold on a second. Hey guys, hey, I'm having a press conference, okay? Thank you. All right, so big news here on Tuesday, right before we hopped on the podcast. I wanted to open with this because I thought this was pretty exciting, but we're going to get some SEC football a little bit sooner than expected because Kentucky has pushed up the opener. They're playing Eastern Michigan in the season opener, scheduled to be Saturday, September 5th. Now they're going to play Thursday, September 3rd. And why that's such a huge deal for that state in particular, you know, we're all going to get SEC football a couple of days earlier, so that's awesome. But for Kentucky fans, for those that don't know outside that state, uh, the Kentucky Derby got pushed back to September 5th. So, you know, they really wanted to avoid a Kentucky football game and the Kentucky Derby all on the same day. You know, you don't want to have to push too many things together. So we're looking at, uh, you know, that September 3rd through September 6th weekend. I mean, that's going to be one hell of a a weekend up there in the bluegrass state. And I'm just fired up that we're getting SEC football a couple days earlier. Yeah, me too. I don't know. I'm ready for some football. It's so close. I haven't been doing social media for obvious reasons, but I'm waiting. I keep seeing your countdown. So I'm like, what is it? 83 more days. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get back on there. Look at me some more football. <laughs> yeah. And in addition to that, I mean, normally a Kentucky versus Eastern Michigan game. Yeah. Kentucky fans can be fired up, but, you know, the rest of the SEC, who the hell cares about that matchup? But that's why moving this to Thursday is such a great idea because, you know, SEC football fans starved for a game. You know, this is going to just bring more attention to Kentucky to open the season. It's going to be on national television, SEC network. They don't have a kickoff time set just yet. But, you know, I think all the way around, this is a A-plus move here by the Wildcats and, and everyone involved in that decision. Yeah, I'm excited. All right, let's jump on down next to Oxford. Howdy, howdy, old miss. Where, while I was away, Lane Kiffin met with the media here, and, you know, he didn't have a ton to say here, but we just, <laughs> we don't have much content these days, so I wanted to use up these comments while I had them here. And the old Miss coach talked about, you know, losing spring and how much that'll really hurt these first-year coaches. I appreciate his honesty here. It would have been very easy for him to kind of give the typical coach speak. He didn't go that route. So I thought that was interesting. And then anyone that listens to this podcast knows what a big fan I am of John Rice Plumley And Kiffin, I just thought this was pretty interesting, said with losing spring, that may kind of, in a weird way, help John Rice Plumley during the offseason quarterback competition there in Oxford. So let's kick it over to Lane Kiffin. I talked to... Um... Elijah Moore Saturday after the walk and just brought him in here for like an hour and um, kind of went over some things with him because that is, you know, this situation is not ideal, as we've said before, for first-year staff, probably creating more issues than I thought. Um, you know, just from that, you know, in spring ball, I think you get to really know your players. You're on the field with them. You're interacting with them. You know, you put faces with names and um, – you know, they get to know you, how you can help them on the field. And, you know, we've missed all that. 
So, um, you know, unfortunately, you know, when we were in our meetings, you know, last Monday, <clears throat> talk about all the stuff going on nationally and just listening to the kids, you know, I realized, how, you know, how little that I know our kids, um, you know, especially as a head coach, position coach, you know, you had your meetings where you got to know them and stuff. But so, <clears throat> you know, we're behind, obviously, football wise, but that really hit me how far we were, were behind relationship wise. Lane, you mentioned a little bit about just feeling like you got a little bit behind football wise. What were you guys able to install or achieve during these last three months before kids did return? Well, we had done the install meetings in the, the little time that we're allowed um, prior to spring ball, but obviously um, had not done much on the field. We haven't even, you know, there was no time we were allowed to even have a ball with them. So um, it's one thing to know things mentally, but not be out there to know them physically is very different. Given that uh, there was no spring lane and, and, uh, how things have been kind of con condensed. I mean, what, what does that do to uh, to you in choosing a quarterback? Just how does that change that competition? Yeah, it certainly doesn't help. Um, like I've said in all this, we try to be positive, but there's, you know, you gotta be, you know, factual also that, you know, that's, <clears throat> you know, that, that hurt us obviously in evaluation, um, you know, now um, John probably would have, you know, falling behind, I assume just off of baseball, you know, and, um, you know, the amount of time for us to eval and work with him and, and throwing the ball in the system and stuff. So, you know, in that sense, it probably neutralized it as far as for those two, you know, um, you know, no one having an advantage. All right, cousin Joe. So I know you are also a fan of John Rice Plumley. So <laughs> Matt Corral, you know, nothing against him. You know, we, we hope he does well as in addition to maybe the, find a way to use both these quarterbacks but you know it is kind of exciting to see that uh john rice plumley's not falling behind in the competition now that uh, there's no spring football yeah that's, that's what i got out of it saying it's a level playing field and that's exciting i'm so excited to see him play he's so athletic and explosive it's just mm -hmm. like a highlight reel nonstop. yeah right you know he's kind of reminds me of uh, mike vick a little bit you know not quite the arm strength there that Michael Vick had he was just amazing all around when you consider that but explosive plays on the ground and he also kind of reminds the situation reminds me of Lane Kiffin running that Alabama offense when they had Blake Sims and Amari Cooper I think John Rice Plumley a lot better player than Blake Sims but they've also got that Elijah Moore connection that kind of fit that role of that Amari Cooper. So if I'm an Ole Miss fan, I'm pretty fired up about the potential. But like, like Kiffin said, you know, these first-year staffs are going to be hurt by not having spring. But that X factor may be John Rice Plumley in this offense. At least if I'm an Ole Miss fan, that's kind of what I'm hoping and praying happens. And maybe that gives us an edge, particularly in the Egg Bowl and in the SEC West next season. Yeah, absolutely. I think after listening to him talk, it makes you want to lean toward any university with a seniority staff as well as like uh, more senior players and stuff, mm -hmm. as opposed to like him. Like he's like he, didn't, he doesn't even know his players. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. That that's a, that's not a great thing. <laughs> I'll be honest with yeah. you. <laughs> I don't even know your name. <laughs> well, sticking in the uh, state of Mississippi, let's jump on down to Starkville real quick. We hit on this guy, I believe, on the last podcast, Alabama 
graduate transfer receiver Tyrell Shavers left Alabama and he announced, you know, I thought this was pretty surprising. He is headed to Mississippi State. He's got two years to play, eligible immediately because he's that grad transfer. So staying in the SEC West, Shavers was a guy that uh, never really lived up to his potential at Alabama, but you know, considering all the elite receiver talent they've had in Tuscaloosa in recent years, that may say more about you know those players than it does Shavers because obviously there's only one ball on the field at the time, so you can only feed so many mouths, but he's going now to play for Mike Leach, who's a guy that uh, I believe last year they had something like seven receivers with 30 catches or more. So he's going to a place where he knows he's going to get the ball. This is a former top 100 overall prospect, not top 100 receiver, top 100 overall prospect. And now here we go with Mike Leach landing another grad transfer. He may have grad transfer to grad transfer here with uh, KJ Costello to Tyrell Shavers. And once again, I mean, I, I'm pretty impressed here by the recruiting Mike Leach is able to do there in Starkville when when he was hired. I mean, that was the biggest knock on the guy. He, this guy can't recruit, and I think he, he's already proven that to, that to be somewhat of a myth. Yeah, absolutely. And Tyrell, he, he's probably just like, what, fourth-round pick athleticism and abilities, and everybody else in front of him was like first- and second-round pick. <laughs> right. So he just didn't make the cut. But I don't know, he's six six, runs a 4-3. I think that's pretty impressive. Uh, like he came in with a lot of hype so yeah I think this is a good move for him because Leach is gonna use him exactly and I mean he'll maximize that potential that he's got maybe make him by the time he leaves Starkville a first round pick yeah absolutely all right let's jump next down to College Station Giga Maggots where we just had a very brief interview here with uh, Jimbo Fisher and Kellen Mon. Fisher didn't really say anything worth noting, so we scrapped that. But Kellen Mon, he talked about uh, what this Aggie team needs to get accomplished before the season, after you know losing the spring and most of the off season. So he's senior captain on this team. He's the best one to ask about this, how he's going to help get players up to speed. And then on the expectations there in College Station, many, many people very high on the Aggies this year. Uh, here's Kellen Bond talking about that. With some of the time lost, no spring practice, what would you say is a must, one or two things that got to get accomplished here maybe in the next month? Um, I think the number one thing is just finding our identity and, um, you know, trying to figure out, you know, what new guys and, you know, even experienced guys, you know, find out their role and figure out how we can execute to the best of our ability this year. And, you know, we have a lot of talent. And we got to figure out how to, you know, plug those puzzle pieces in. Young guys probably got to get up to speed a little quicker. Some of them would have had summer. They get a little bit of summer, mm -hmm. would have spring to get themselves acclimated. What do you do with the youth that now arrives in this program? Um, you know, you know, with the NCAA and you know, trying to approve getting uh, some of those walkthroughs approved uh, for the next couple months. I think those are going to be huge. Um, obviously, you know, when you have too many practices, that can you know cause injury, especially. You know, coming back for with so much uh, so much off time, um, but just being able to have those type of walkthroughs and being able to learn from those, uh, I think those are going to be really key um, for a lot of teams across the country. And how do you feel about the 2020 expectations on this team? There's a chance for a lot of excitement. Um, I mean, we're all excited around here. Uh, plenty of experience, plenty of talent, and uh, we got to figure out how to mold it together. But this is a special team. All right, so I think 
basically, the whole reason I wanted to use this clip was just Caleb Mond talking about the expectations and not backing down from it. And, you know, this is a little bit, you know, player speak, if you want to call it that. We hear that from, hear this type of comments from a lot of quarterbacks and a lot of players around the SEC every offseason. But I think it means a little bit more coming from Caleb Mond, who's played, you know, he's one of the most experienced players in the SEC. And I get a sense that everyone there in College Station understands, you know, this is, I don't want to say make or break year, but I mean, you could almost argue that if Jimbo Fisher and company don't show significant strides this year, you got to start to wonder if it's ever going to happen. And it seems like at least Caleb Mont's kind of embracing that. Yeah, I think there's high expectations this year for sure. Uh, but it was just a lot of coach speak I heard coming from a quarterback's mouth. So I don't know. But uh, I did think it was interesting. I never heard someone suggest less practices mean less injuries. I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, that's one way to look at it. I, I don't know. I kind of want to get used to the game speed and being hit before I go out there and get hit full speed. You know what I mean? Right. I feel like that would be like more make more sense getting injured if you don't do a little bit more practicing. But I don't know. I'm not a quarterback for the SEC, so <laughs> what do I know? <laughs> yeah, it, you, it sounds good until you're actually getting destroyed by uh, someone, you know, two, three times your size. You know what? <laughs> right. Yeah. All right, so let's hop down to Columbia, South Carolina, <laughs> where uh, Will Muschamp, you know, I thought these were some – Pretty interesting comments here, who he also had a, a teleconference while I was away, but kind of similar to Lane Kiffin talking about the uncertainty of the season. Never, you know, in all his years, never experienced anything quite like this. And then the most interesting thing I thought Muschamp had to say, with all the speculation on Will Muschamp's job, will he return, won't he return, Gamecock fans getting a little uneased, I guess you'd say, about, uh, you know, the lack of elite recruiting going on right now at South Carolina, but Will Muschamp kind of got another phrase for it. He's kind of calling out other programs. He didn't name anyone specifically, but called out a lot of programs for you know these players getting reservations, as he called it, trying to secure their spots is what he's really talking about here. So I thought it was kind of interesting. I wish he would have named names. You know, he, you know he's not going to, but for sure he's probably talking about a couple teams in the SEC. Yeah, absolutely. I want to know who he's talking about, too. Is he talking about old Roomy? Old Roomy Kirby? Back <laughs> <laughs> you know, does what they're under the bus. But I think he hit on, like, the asterisk of 2020. You know, it's like, no one's ever experienced this before. None of us have. We're all staring at 2020 like, what the hell? <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But space, these coaches, no one knows what to do. So we'll see who's better at managing a chaotic situation when it comes game day. Well, let's jump to these comments because, uh, and then when we're done, I'll give you who I think he's Muschamp's calling out here. Hey, Coach Mike Gillespie from Agency Columbia. Just uh, wondering if you could compare this to anything that you have been through before in terms of COVID having uh, this kind of an effect on college football. Uh, Have you or any of your staff ever gone through anything like this before? Something that's, that's really challenged you guys with this? Nothing even close, Mike. I mean, just as far as the, the amount of time that we've been been uh, been off, uh, I wouldn't say off. We've been working, but but working from home, the, the virtual. Uh, I'm about zoomed out. I'll be honest with you. Um, uh, but but uh, but no, no, I, we've done anything like this before. 
Uh, just you mentioned kind of not knowing what July is going to look like. How how much of a challenge is having sort of that unknown as, as the season does start to kind of climb closer? Well, Ben, you're just you're planning for everything, you know. And there's different models out there that uh, the Football Oversight Committee is going through right now. And uh, we've uh, Commissioner Sankey and William King have done a great job of keeping the coaches involved in those conversations. Every Thursday we have a meeting and we we talk through. Um, you know, the, the different uh, models that they're looking at. So we've got plan A, B, C, and D right now on the table for me uh, to be able to, 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 to plan to when we are able to engage with our players in a one-on-one you know, one -on -one or, or, or position or a team setting again. And uh, whenever we're able to, to do that, uh, we'll have a good plan set in place. With all the recruiting wiped out, the in-person recruiting wiped out, the spring evaluations wiped out, and having to go strictly um, you know, virtual and through phone and social media and all, how do you feel your recruiting is, is coming along? Do you feel like you're still kind of where you expect you to be, hope to be at this point, uh, now going to the summer? You know, Phil, it's an interesting stat. Last week there was over 750 players committed to Division One schools. Okay, This time last year there was 300. So a lot of those commitments out there are what I call reservations. And that's just the facts of where we are because there's a lot of schools saying, hey, you may not have a spot. Go ahead and just take a spot right now. And that's happening. That's unfortunate, but that's happening. I had a conversation with a, a young man and his parents last night, and they had two different coaches tell them, you, you better commit now or you're not going to have a spot. So that, that's unfortunate. We're not doing it that way. Uh, I think that a strength of our staff is, number one, the relationships that we build, and that's that we've been hurt by that because we haven't had them on campus I think a, another huge uh, advantage for us is Columbia, is our facility, the Kenan City Long facility, is the Dodie Anderson, is uh, Williams Bryce Stadium. And, and we unfortunately not been able to get on. We didn't have the type of year that we wanted to have last year. So I think all of those things combined have slowed us down a little bit on where we would want to be right now. But signing date's not till December. And the second signing date's in February. So there's a lot of time to be, to be made up in those situations. And I personally see a lot of the commitments right now are, are reservations. That, that, that's all those things are on first-hand knowledge of talking to recruits and parents about how some people handle the recruiting process. That's not how we're going to do it, but, you know, that's fine. All right, so based on his comments there, I think the easy answer, and again, he's not going to call this guy out publicly, is old Jeremy Pruitt up there in Tennessee <laughs> with all these recruits. I mean – Hell, Tennessee, Tennessee's got 24 commits right now. Obviously, you can only sign 25, and hell, we're, you know, six months away from signing day here. So, and South Carolina and Tennessee competing for a couple kids. You know, some committed to Tennessee, some uncommitted. So, I think, um, you know, without mentioning Jeremy Pruitt's program, I think that's clearly who Will Muschamp's calling out here. Well, in the old recruiting world, this is what we call a cock block. <laughs> <laughs> Get out of here, must champ. You win more than four games, and then we talk about recruitment. <laughs> well, speaking of Tennessee, that's the last team I've got to hit on here. Uh, let's jump on down to Knoxville. Balls are back. Before long, we'll be taking a bite out of everybody we plays as. Where Jeremy Pruitt has named AJ Artis the new head strength coach, and he was previously on staff. Remember, Craig Fitzgerald left this offseason for the uh, New York Giants. So 
Yeah, I just wanted to make that note that uh, Tennessee's sticking with continuity now that uh, the players are back on campus. You know, Pruitt obviously felt he had to make this decision at this time. And, you know, this is not something that I think he just kind of popped into his head and he just did it. I mean, I think he's been trending this way for a while, but there was really no need to name it until the players got back on campus. And uh, Tennessee is keeping, from what I understand, the entire uh, strength and conditioning staff they had before Minus, obviously, Craig Fitzgerald. But why that's kind of noteworthy is uh, we've all been in these uh, positions at work where one of your fellow colleagues is getting promoted and maybe if there was some backstabbing or whatever, you'd get rid of somebody, you know. But given the fact that Tennessee's bringing everyone back and I think they're all getting a little bit of a pay bump here, I think that kind of speaks to, you know, that strength room and how unified they are. And that was probably a big part of Jeremy Pruitt's decision because – you know, you think before Craig Fitzgerald, there's just been turnover after turnover after turnover at that strength coach position. And yes, obviously you'd rather have Fitzgerald return, but that ain't happening. So next best thing, hire, you know, from within, keep that continuity going. You know, this is somewhat of a gamble. You know, everything I just said, I think it's probably the right decision, but at the same time, a little bit of a gamble because Artis is uh, someone that's not quite as ex- near as experienced as Fitzgerald but if he was working under him surely he knows you know his techniques and everything and you know I'm not calling Jeremy Pruitt out for making this hire because he's going to make a decision far more educated than than I am on the subject but you just got to really be careful all the progress you're making on Tennessee if you get this hire wrong it could really set you back I think yeah I honestly I've been pretty impressed by all of his selections for staffing except for what was it Helton Right. <laughs> but that was that was really rushed. You know, he didn't have a lot of time. It seems like they took plenty of time to figure out who they're going to put in this position. And, you know, everything that I've heard and read uh, says he's a pretty good fit and everybody's pumped to have him in that position. So see how he does. Well, that's all I got um, around the league here on this one. And like I said, not a ton going on. We're still we got players lifting weights. That's about all we got going yeah, on on campus right now. You can't uh, host any recruits. You can't. The coaches can't even work with the players outside of the strength and training staff and all that. So, um, you know, hopefully some important news happens here in the coming week, and we get cousin Shane back on the line here to uh, discuss yes, some of this stuff. But uh, you got anything else before we help off here? No, not really. How many videos have you watched of mass interviews of players walking in and out of the gym? I've seen at least 10. I'm like, yeah, it's almost time. <laughs> you get in there and get your workout on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've, no. I've, I've been watching them. Uh, I, I'm not even going to admit how many of those I've watched because I've watched damn near all of them. I know. Man, that's like spring practice, watching all those videos. I've, I can't wait. But, yeah, football's almost here, boys. Yeah. <laughs> yes, let's pay attention to our uh, SEC countdowns. You know, we're throwing that all over Twitter and Reddit and Instagram and all that. So keep up, uh, you know, how many days we got to kick off. I think by the time this episode comes out, I think we'll be at 80 days to kick off. Of course, we can subtract a couple days here because Kentucky's opening uh, the season, as noted there on Thursday, but 80 days away from that first Saturday of SEC football. I can't wait for it. I hope you guys will uh, stick around, and I hope we're just getting you fired up for college football because, uh, I mean, that's where we're at. We're getting close. I can I can sense it. Right. So excited. All right, Isla Joe, so thanks for joining me. As always, thanks, everyone, for tuning in. 
And, uh, oh, if you made it this far, if you wouldn't mind leaving us a five-star written review on Apple Podcasts, that really does help the show grow. Uh, but I'll catch you on the next one, and uh, that's all I got. <laughs> <laughs> Stay safe and wash them hands. All right.